you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Beginning in verse 25, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come before you today thanking you for your word. Your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. For these few remaining moments that we have together today, Lord, we need our eyes opened to the truth of the gospel. We need to be stirred as to our responsibility to the things of God. I pray that you would take this vessel, that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary so that only the truth of the scripture comes forth. We all are accountable to the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us now. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And the church said, Thank you, Pastor Tony. This morning, I'd like to spend some time talking about the attitude of a successful steward, the attitude of a successful caretaker or manager. I'm going to ask you in a moment to speak out. It may be the only time I ever ask you to speak out. 
You know, there was a time years ago we used to do testimonies in church and spoken prayer requests, but I'm telling you, things started going south. And when people started saying crazy stuff, <laughs> some of y'all remember some of them services, some of the testimonies uh, died down and the spoken prayer requests died down. I'll never forget, I may have shared this before. You know when you're 54 years old and you're a preacher, you can repeat things and it's okay. I may have shared this with you before, but in my first church, there was a lady on a Sunday morning that wanted to give a testimony. And I felt a check in my spirit that I really shouldn't allow her to. But in the brief moment that I had, I succumbed to the pressure. And I'll never forget her standing up. She was fairly new to the church, and she said these words. She said, thank God for this church. If y'all just put a fishing pond out there, I'd be here every Sunday. <laughs> I stopped Sunday morning prayer requests and Sunday morning testimonies <laughs> in the sanctuary. But I want you to help me for a moment and think about one person not a family member, but a friend, maybe your closest friend, or someone that you admire and appreciate and have great respect for. And with one, one word answer, that person in the front of your mind, I want you to kind of shout to me, what are some of their qualities? Somebody throw, throw me some, not the person's name, just some of their qualities. Friendliness. Faith. Dependable, loyal, trustworthy. Now, in these answers that I've heard and some that I have thought of this week are honesty, humility, kind, warm, encourager, available, understanding, faithful. Interesting that when I just asked that question to you in your one-word answer, I didn't hear anything about looks. Now that either means looks are not that important or all of you have ugly friends. <laughs> I didn't hear anything about skills. I didn't hear anything about abilities. If we're truthful this morning, what we face the, the truth that what makes people attracted to other people is their attitudes. I mean, I've met attractive people with rotten attitudes. And I'm going to tell you, friend, you can't cosmetic bad attitudes. You know skilled people with terrible attitudes. They may attract you initially, and you may swoon in the beginning, but you will ultimately be repelled being not wanting to be around them because of their attitude, irregardless of their skill set. I shared this, I did share this not too long ago, and for the last several years in my private prayer time, and I believe everyone should begin their prayer time searching their heart. I really do. I believe the, the rest of your prayer time is, is not worth a whole lot if you don't take time to search your soul before God in the beginning of your prayer time. 
And so I've always felt the, the conviction to pray over my thoughts, over my words, and over my deeds. But I have found in the last several weeks, the Lord has been checking me in my spirit, and I've added one to it, and it's called my attitude. And so I find myself saying, Lord, I, I want to be attractive to you. I want to be inviting to others and so I've got to work on my attitude. Attitude is something that comes from within. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God always, first and foremost, looks on the heart. We see in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Mark and Luke, you find the poor widow in the temple. And everyone is putting in very large offerings and no doubt raising eyebrows of spectators and and, and then here comes this <clears throat> crumpled up little widow woman, and she gives two mites, which was all that she had. All of those people that had been there and had given abundance. But yet Jesus points out that little widow woman to his disciples and to his followers. And I dare say, if Jesus had a desire to spend any time with one person that day, he would have selected that poor widow woman. Because it wasn't what she gave, it was what she gave up. In other words, it was her attitude, not her lack or her abundance. And I want to tell you today, before you can become a successful steward for the things of God, you must have an attitude check. In the story before us today, you will find three attitudes and the truth is, every single person listening via live stream, listening in this sanctuary this morning, you will fall into one of these three attitudes. You cannot get away from it. So before we dive in, turn to your neighbor and say, you have an attitude. And some of y'all really enjoyed that. When I look at this parable that is in front of us today in this teaching of Jesus, the first attitude that jumps off the pages to me is the attitude of the robber. And the attitude of the robber found in verse 30 is simply this, what is yours is mine and I'm going to take it. Now we would want nothing to do with this attitude. It repels people away from us. This would be an attitude of blatant greed and, and covetousness. This attitude would make others insecure around us. Now, I know most of you here pretty well over the last three years, and I don't believe anyone here uh, would walk into a 7-Eleven and, and rob it, and we would be aghast in knowing someone who would do it. Now, we understand this in the earthly realm, and yet in the, in the Christian realm, in the spiritual realm, the question is, do we talk out of the other side of our mouth by robbing God of what is His? Ouch, Pastor. Yes, it's painful when we have to hear the truth. But the truth is, if you will live victorious in this life, in this world, you will have to embrace this reality. God owns everything and calls upon you to manage what belongs to Him. If you live to be 100 years old, 
thank God for it, but the truth is that time belongs to God, and to whom much is given, much is required. If you have a talent to play every instrument in the church, or you're talented in communication, or, or service, or media, or technology, or the medical field, or accounting, or building, and the list just goes on and on, that talent has been lent to you from the Lord, but it actually belongs to Him Almighty. It belongs to God Almighty. If you pay off your boat next week, it is still God's property. Come on, if you receive the title to your car or the deed to your home after you have made the last payment, it still belongs to the Lord. Say thank you, Jesus, but you're still watching over that on behalf of your creator. You may still, you may sit here this morning and say, well, preacher, actually I'm paying on it and it still belongs to the bank or the, uh, the mortgage company and it really belongs to them. That would be absolutely wrong because the truth is the bank or the mortgage company that holds that title, that bank or mortgage company also belongs to God. And I'm telling you, the, the, the truth of the matter is there's too many people that walk around in defeat because they haven't come to grips with the reality in their walk with Christ that everything that we have, we're simply managing on his behalf. And like he has said in many parables in the New Testament, he will call every one of us into account for how we stewarded that that belongs to the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. Psalms 24 and 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means creation and all of its, all of its uh, contents and the galaxy and all of its glory and the solar system and all of its substance. So if you came up to me and, 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 or if you told me that, that you made $400 this past week and if I asked you how much belonged to God, if you responded by saying $40 belonged to God, that would be wrong. The truth of the matter is all $400 belongs to God. He owns it all. And yet he asks you, he challenges you. Yes, he demands for you to manage it for him. And until you get that in your spirit, you will never enjoy abundant living in the Lord. You see, there's some contrasting perspectives that are found in our outlook, in, our, in our, the way we look at things. For example, if, if I am a manager for God, then I am thankful versus if I am an owner, I am pride-filled. If I'm a manager for God, I am saying, look what the Lord has done, versus if I'm an owner, I'm saying, look what I have done. If I'm a manager for God, I'm saying, it is the master's kingdom, versus if I'm an owner, I say, it's my kingdom. If, if I'm a manager or a steward for God, I am saying, the resources that I have are transient. God is giving it to me so he can get it through me to be a blessing to others. My resources are always moving. I'm receiving and I'm blessing. Freely you have received, so freely give. Versus if I am owner, then I am saying that my resources resources are mine and they're permanently mine. If I am a manager and a steward, I live my life every day to please another. And his name is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. But if I'm an owner, I'm going to live every day to please myself. I'm going to say it again. There are too many in the body of Christ that had the attitude like the robber did. And that is God, what is yours? I'm going to take for myself. 
But then it doesn't stop there. We see as we look further in this, in this story the attitude of the priest and the Levite. And the attitude of the priest and Levite, which you find in verse 31 and 32, is what is mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. What is mine is mine, is I'm going to keep it. I believe the priest and the Levite were good guys. I know they get a bad rap, but I'm sure they were, they were good people. But their whole deal was, I'm not going to, to rob anyone. I wouldn't harm a flea. I wouldn't take away from anyone. I am not that person. They weren't going to rob the man and humiliate him further. They were on the other side of the road. They saw where he was hurting. But they didn't walk over and, and kick the man while he was down. But neither did they help him. They were ritualistic and, and legalistic. In that day, the Levites and the priests would travel uh, from Jericho to Jerusalem to do one week's of service at the temple. And, and yes, there were laws. This is important. There were laws that priests could not touch anything unclean before going to do their ceremonial duties at the temple. And yet they saw this man half clad, half dead, and beat up, but they were so compelled by the law that they had lost their sense of compassion for other people. And, and what truly became the reality was that law was more important than love. That's truth. And let me just stop here and say this this morning, that it is a sad thought when Christian people operate with a legalistic mindset, with tunnel vision, when we neglect the needs of others that are on the journey with us. And there are those, I've seen them, it's, it's, it's amazing to me, it's intriguing to me. There, there are people that live with this mindset, what is the least I must tithe down to the penny? When, when is the least time I must give to God's work? Well, how many church services can I get by with attending? Can I witness only once a week? Is 15 minutes of daily prayer, is that enough? Is my little one-minute devotional, is that enough to, to give me something sub substantive uh, from the Lord? I'm telling you, when I came to church this morning, this was my prayer. My prayer is that someone's going to have a breakthrough from God for God. Someone's going to have a breakthrough from legalism. Someone's going to begin to comprehend that grace and love came through Jesus Christ, who said, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Here's the truth of the matter. When you really embrace grace, when you really embrace how much he loves you, all of these things doesn't matter. You're willing to be poured out as a drink offering for the Lord. Take it all, God, and use it for your glory and your honor and the expansion of your kingdom. And for your name's sake, I give myself completely away to you. The love of God knows no boundaries. Therefore, the love for God and for God's work should know no boundaries. <laughs> there may be someone here that are bound by rules and rituals. You won't help clean toilets because that's not your calling and it's beneath you. Won't give in a love offering to help a family in need because you already gave your George Washington in the offering plate earlier. Speaking of which, I have a question. It's, nobody's ever been able to give me the answer to it. We can call it rhetorical. 
Why is it when we give in the offering plate, why do we reach for ones and not 20s? Why do we reach for ones and not 10s? I've been guilty of this. I'm not asking a question I haven't been guilty of myself. Offerings given, maybe it's going to be a special offering for something. And, <laughs> and we're, reaching, we're reaching for the smallest bill in our wallet. The smallest bill. And I've never understood that. That's the human nature, though. What's mine is mine. And I want to keep it. I thought this was pretty good. One person wrote, for years we lived in a small town with one bank and three churches. Early one morning, the bank called all three churches with the same request. Could you bring in Sunday's offering right away? We're out of $1 bills. <laughs> I'm trying to help you with here is to chuck the records. Chuck the little black book. Know there is a much better bookkeeper in heaven that wants to bless an attitude of gratitude in ways that you have never even imagined. The scripture says, sow or give bountifully. And if you'll sow and give bountifully, you will reap or receive bountifully. You should be growing in grace. Let's be honest here. I got serious with the Lord and when I was 19 years old. So for 35 years, I've been on a consistent walk with God. And I should be more grown in grace today than I was when I started. I should be more spiritually mature today than I was last year this time. Amen. And when you have come to a grip of real grace and you grow in your walk with the Lord, then you understand that God has blessed you bountifully. And you also understand you cannot outgive God. You shovel into God's work, God shovels back to you. And here's a news flash God's shovel is a whole lot bigger than your puny little shovel. Are you like the priest and the Levite today? You break no rules. You bother no one. You have boundaries. You don't leave the boundaries and you don't want others crossing into your territory. What's yours is yours and you're going to keep it. Maybe this is a very simple analogy. But you've decided to go on a picnic to a park. You've got your basket, your linen. You've got your food, your utensils. You spread out the cloth and the utensils. You spread out the food. You eat a nice picnic lunch. And when you're done, you pick up your food, your utensils, and you throw it in the trash. You put your containers in your basket, and you walk away saying, Boy, I came and I left it just the way that I found it. No one can even tell I was here. I didn't litter. I didn't mess up anyone's property. Now, Pastor, doesn't that sound like a, a nice person? But here's my question. Who put the picnic tables there? Who planted the trees to give you shade? Who built the restrooms nearby? Who placed the trash receptacles? Someone before came 
and gave of themselves so someone behind them could come and enjoy the picnic. I'm preaching good here, simplistic as it may be. Are you getting the message? Someone did more than just sit and eat. Someone did more than just sit and enjoy the picnic. Every single blessing that you have today is either a gift directly from God or a blessing someone paved the way for you to enjoy. When you grow in grace, you understand that life is more than you and your circle. So what I'm saying is quit just having a picnic. My, my grandmother lived in Florida, Polk County. And every year, my family would take a trip, and we would spend about a week and a half to two weeks in Polk County in the middle of the summer, 95 degrees, 3,000% humidity, right in the middle of an orange grove. And there was many times I would walk up and grab an orange or a tangerine off of the tree, and I'd peel it back, and I'd enjoy the taste of that tangerine. And honestly, I never gave much consideration to who decades earlier had planted the tree so that I could enjoy the orange. I'm not responsible for me only. I'm responsible for those coming behind me. I celebrate people in this room that have been here 50 and 60 years. That are still with us today, still rejoicing in the goodness of the Lord. But because of their faithfulness to God, we sit in this beautiful sanctuary today. Because of their faithfulness to God, we sit under these lights today. We hear these musical instruments today. We're able to enjoy the comforts and the blessings where our children are able to go. You know what, 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 really, what really gets me is that, that someone would come and say, Pastor, pray for my son and daughter who are lost, and yet you don't support the storehouse who can feed their soul, bringing them eternal life and delivering them from their sins. Come on now, help me preach. You know I'm telling the truth. Some of y'all saying, we sure were nice to him last week. He sure is being mean to us today. I'm trying to help you to live victorious. The priest and the Levite said, you know what? I'm not going to cross the road. What is mine is mine, and I'm simply going to keep it. I hope and pray that the Lord will speak to your heart. And you'll come to a place in your walk with Christ that you won't just sit and receive, but you will give and believe. That's worth saying again. Hope that you come to a place in your walk with Christ as you grow in grace that you won't just sit and receive, but that you will give and believe. We love Philippians 4.19. I love it. It's a blessing to me. Every time I read it. But sometimes we need to go back and read a verse of Scripture with the contextual verses that are around it. 
And Philippians 4.19 is one of those verses. Oh, I hear people say it. But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And, and I'm telling you as a preacher, I love to quote that verse. I love to pray that verse. I do pray that verse. But you've got to understand it in context. The reason why Paul wrote that to the Philippian church was because out of all the New Testament churches that Paul wrote to, the Philippian church was the most liberal and the most generous. That promise is not just to every church or every individual that calls themselves a Christian. There's another one that I've grown to appreciate over the last probably 10 years of my ministry, and it's 2 Corinthians 9.8. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Well, that's very much like Philippians 4.19. God, when he gives us something, it's his abundant grace coming to us. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, having sufficiency in all things, would abound to every good work. We love it <laughs> when he's going to bless us so we can consume it. But oh, it gets uncomfortable when he says, I'm going to bless you so you can contribute it. I didn't expect y'all going to shout me down. But you make a living by what you get. But you make a life by what you give. That's truth. So get a life. You ever said that? Get a life. I wish you'd get a life. Get a life. Start giving. And then there's one more attitude. And that's the attitude of the Good Samaritan. The attitude of the Good Samaritan was, what is mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. This is significant, because the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. But Jesus called him, we know him as the Good Samaritan. And this man gave of his time, his energy, his money, his donkey to help minister to someone in need. A Jew of all people. When I look at this, I think the Good Samaritan's attitude. It helped him, number one, overcome his prejudice overcome his personal hatred for Jewish people because his compassion outweighed the dislike for another race of people. He saw a man, didn't matter what color his skin was, he was bleeding and dying in the ditch. And everything else didn't matter. But it also helped him because he had the right attitude, it helped him to give up his conveniences, his beast, his time, his energy, his money, his oil, his wine. What I have, I will give. Oh, I so want, my Lord, 
I so want you to live in the abundance and the blessings of the Lord. Jude wrote and said, I pray that you're, you would prosper as your soul prospers and be in good health. I cannot afford to tithe, Pastor. To quote my mama who's here, you can't afford not to tithe. And I know of some people right here in this room, I'm not judging you. I know people that are watching me online right now, I'm not judging you, but you are spinning your wheels on a treadmill that never seems to end, and you can't seem to get ahead because you simply won't trust God with your tithe and your time and your talent. Observations about attitudes. One, your attitude is more important than your ability. God's not interested in what you don't have. In God's eyes, it's never been about cold numbers, but it's always been about a warm heart. I'm convinced. I've always felt that the tithe was for those who needed a base to start from, including myself. Here's, here's truth. This is going to come as a shock to you. But did you know that, the, that genera generosity doesn't begin until after the tithe? Y'all out there, ain't you? Check your wrist. Make sure your pulse is still there. Generosity begins after the tithe. Because the tithe is returned to the Lord. The giving starts after the return. The second thing I would tell you is that attitude is more than position. I had people say, boy, if I could just be a pastor, I'd have all the time in the world. <laughs> Them guys don't work one hour a week anyway. If I could just be a pastor, I'd have more time to pray, more time to read the Bible. Friend, he just wants a sim simply a willing vessel. Just a little bit more of Jesus. If we could just say, this week, I want a little bit more of Jesus than I had last week. And the next week, I want a little bit more of Jesus than I had this week. That may look different for different people. But he just is looking for you to say, I want more of you. Attitude is more than just more important than timing. It, it probably wasn't convenient for the Good Samaritan. It obviously wasn't convenient for the priest and the Levite. I'm sure it wasn't convenient for the Good Samaritan. But his attitude was more, was more important. And, and, and you may, if, if you're here this morning, I'm telling you, in the world's logic, never is a good time to start tithing. Never is a good time to start giving your time. Never is a good time to start using your talents for eternal good. If you listen to your own voice. But I'm telling you, if you get to a place where you listen to God's word, and you say, it's not, this moment, right now, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to covenant with God. Preacher preaching on money. How dare him. I love my mentor. I love my mentor. He impacted my life in such a dramatic way. And my parents are sitting right here. They raised me. And this, this pastor of mine was my pastor for 11 years. I love him. Got to see him a few months ago. Sit down with him. He didn't remember me. 
He said, who are you? Donald Jones. Of course, he's 87 years old now. Met him at his Cracker Barrel, his favorite restaurant. He goes there six days a week. He's like 87, 88 years old. Got there before he did. He comes walking up. Hey, pastor, how you doing? Who are you? What's your name again? Oh, yeah. Then he remembered me, or at least he faked it. Anyway, <laughs> sat down and had a breakfast with him. As much as I love him, though, absolutely adored the man. He impacted my life so great. But in the church we grew up in, he, he would stand and he would say, I, I never have to preach on money here. And I, you know, everybody's like rejoicing and praise God. And it's wonderful God supplying the needs. And not until I became a young adult did I realize that I was shortchanged in stewardship, discipleship. It took my wife coming into my life to really lay it down low on what tithing was all about. Y'all still out there? I'm almost done. Several years ago, the Lord convicted me and said, you are responsible to disciple my people. And as uncomfortable, I'm telling you, preaching on money is as uncomfortable as preaching on hell. Ain't neither one of them no picnic. But they are part of the Word of God. From cover to cover, we have to preach the whole gospel. And I want you to live victoriously. I want you to go to a whole new level of amazement at God's divine provision. But you're going to have to make up your mind. Some of you are. And you're going to have to say, you know what? This day forward, I'm putting God first in my tithe. I'm putting God first in my time. I'm putting God first with my talent. And I'm going to watch the hand of God bless me and my family like I have never dreamed or imagined before. If anybody can relate to that, give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. The church is blessed. This is not about your pastor asking for more money, for more time, or for more of your talents. That is all a result of your pastor asking you to say, do I simply have the right attitude? All the rest of it comes into place. When you realize that what is mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. Raising successful stewards in the kingdom of God. And by the way, let me just testify to you. Tony, you can come. Give me my airplane landing music. I do better than the preachers of old. Preachers of old say, I'm getting ready to close in maybe 30 more minutes. <laughs> you sit out there in the congregation and say, why the man lying to us for? He said he was getting ready to close. Why is he still talking? Then you have altar call. Now, I'm not, I'm not anointed right now. You have altar call. You pray for people, and then he talks another 15 minutes. Oh, yeah, I've been around all that. I'm getting ready to close, Tony. Don't play it too loud. Now, don't drown me out. Can I testify for a moment? December 22nd, we moved into this building with a temporary certificate of occupancy. 
We still had the connectors to get done. And would you, do you know what date we finally got our permanent certificate of occupancy? It was on Thursday, March 19th. Thursday, March 19th. Everything was done. It was great. The only problem was we couldn't have church on the 22nd, four days later. Pastor goes to praying. Pastor goes to calling on the Lord. And then I sat and for the last seven months have been astounded at God's goodness and the faithfulness of many people in this church. Elders are sitting all over this room and can attest to it. Pastors I've talked to in other churches, they said, we don't know what to say. We're, are, we're aghast. We're amazed. For several weeks, we couldn't have church inside the sanctuary. And then we had to have parking lot services. And yet, the giving of the people is up from what it was before COVID came. Praise the Lord. We're no exception. I've talked to many of my friends that have said the same thing. God's not going to let his church go under. And the church is good. God has blessed the church. God is blessing the church. This is not about the church as much as it is about you personally. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And you're just barely getting by because you haven't realized that for you to live with the abundant life, you're going to have to give yourself away. Would you stand with me? Can we sing that? I give myself away. Would you just close your eyes and if this message has resonated with you at all, maybe you're already giving yourself away. Maybe you have this burning desire to do more than you've already been doing. And maybe you're doing much. But I'm telling you, when you grow in grace and you realize how much he's given to you, then you are really wanting to give even more, 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 God, for you. Could we? Could we? As a prayer, could we, right where you stand, could you close your eyes? If you're comfortable, lift both hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm here to give myself away. I'm here to give myself away. Give myself away. Come on, make that your prayer right now. Come on. Hands lifted. Eyes closed all over this place. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Lord, I give myself 